And this is A Good Story is Hard to Find podcast. Where two Catholic friends talk about the books and movies they love and the traces of the one reality that lie below the surface. Yes, indeed. And and we've done so many episodes. This is episode number 254 that we thought what we'd do is start over with the very first one ever written. <laughs> and we're going to do every book that's ever been done all the way up till now. So... Um, For the rest of our lives. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're going to do the Epic of Gilgamesh today, um, which, as I understand it, is the oldest written thing that we have. That's how I understand it, too. Yeah. And that's really interesting. What a good book it is. I was it's surprised so as well. It's very, it's very interesting. And um, I, I'm, I'm still continually amazed, and I know I shouldn't be, but... When you read things that are really old and you're like, wow, that's so interesting. You know, like in this book, for example, is, you know, uh, what urban versus rural stuff, mm-hmm. which is amazing, you know, because it's like we're talking about the first cities at this time. In the, this would be like, uh, I don't know, 2200 BC or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, when in the city of Uruk, which is Sumerian. Um, it was it was big stuff. It was like New York City. Yeah, for sure, for them, absolutely. And then, you know, just to imagine that back then, life was significantly different in the city of Uruk as it was out in the wilderness, right? Which is where mm-hmm. they just recently came from. So it's just, um, I don't know, it, it, it just amazes me that, you know, well, here we are in what 2021 and especially <laughs> in the United States we have rural versus urban fighting all the mm-hmm. time it seems like you know they're they're almost like you know just different sets of people even in the you know in the same United States you know um oh yeah 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 so but it, I, I just think it's fascinating um that there's there's just a lot of stuff in here it's not super long or anything um no. but uh yeah apparently Stephen King did not live in the <laughs> Back then, (laughs) (laughs) to write an 800-page epic. Um. Oh my gosh! Yes, yeah. They they just listen. They were doing this in cuneiform on clay tablets that had to bake in the sun. Brevity was the soul of wit. You wonder if somebody was like, "Okay, can we? Can you say that again, but shorter?" (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know the thing that's funny is they never found one complete set of the story. They found most of it, and then. They found other pieces that they kind of went, oh, I think this goes here, and this makes sense if it goes there, and this flushes this bit out. And mm-hmm. and you think about it going, this was the bestseller. Right. There were a lot of pl- pieces of it all over the place. <laughs> Everybody loved this story. It yeah. was the Stephen King of its day. Absolutely right. You know? Yeah, for sure. Absolutely it was. And um, yeah, and it, it's very recently in in human history that we even learned about it. Um, I think that, uh, the, the, what I have here is that it was discovered by archeologists in the 19th century while excavating Nineveh. So this would have been in the 1850s mm-hmm. and they found the Royal Library of Nineveh, which is a city in present day Iraq. So, um, fascinating. I mean, so yeah, so we just learned about it, you know, relatively recently, 
um, yeah. less than 200 years ago. Um, and I'm looking at a piece of the tablet right now. Uh, it's just fascinating. Yeah. And what they had was written in Akkadian, it says. Oh, okay. And the tablet itself was 7th century. That's what I've got, says, uh, okay. says the <laughs> So that's how long interwebs. it held on. Mm-hmm. Everybody yeah. kept doing it. Mm-hmm. Well, the thing that got me also was, um, since we're speaking, going to speak of an epic heroic tale, this is a minor version of that. Have you, did you read about uh, George Smith, who was self-taught and wound up being the main translator of this story? No, I've, I've heard that name, and so I think I've heard a little bit about him, but yeah, please tell yeah, me more. Yeah, so mm-hmm. he was, uh, he quit his formal education at 14, and he was apprenticed to a printer, and so he kind of was already thinking about symbols and all that kind of thing, but what was interesting is he liked to just go and hang out at the British Museum and look at the stuff they had sitting out, and he was... Um, he could read a little bit of it, and they had an expert restorer, but that guy wasn't there. And uh, this guy, Smith, just would start writing things down, and he got to read some of the stuff that the real excavator had done. And he's like, no, this isn't right at all. Huh. Wow. And uh, mm-hmm. it says, he took the tablet and began to read over the lines this guy had brought to light. And when he saw they contained the portion of the legend he hoped to find there, he said, I'm the first man to read that after more than 2000 years of oblivion. Cause he could read it from the cuneiform hmm. himself. Amazing. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So that was the Epic of Gilgamesh and they wound up hiring him. Well, good. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's great. Cause he yeah. was unbelievably good at putting it all together and joining it and seeing where the story would have gone and going, oh, this bit actually fits in here. Hmm. So, yeah, that anyway. must have been so exciting to, yeah, to be doing that. And yeah, you know, and oh, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm looking at this tablet and and the writing is just really something. You know, there's just like a little, I can imagine like the tip of a screwdriver where they're uh. like, you know, just um, you know, or a stylus maybe. I'm not sure. That's yeah. That's what mm-hmm. I would figure. Yeah. Yeah, but all these lines are just like, yeah, just lines and lines and lines and lines, <laughs> you know? And I think tiny. it's, uh, isn't it like hieroglyphic, really? Well, hieroglyphic it's, is like pictures, right? Well, isn't the cuneiform kind of like that derived no, from it? No, it? it looks so, like, um, it looks like Is writing. it letters? It's, it looks okay. like it would be letters, but they're all made up of these little, um, just short lines, you know, in different patterns, okay. you know? Yeah. 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 Really something. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And it just, uh, yeah. I mean, that's a heck of a lot of work, right? You know, they, they got to create these clay tablets and then they, they uh, do that to them and then they hopefully dry without somebody pressing on it or anything. <laughs> um, yeah. Or yeah. somebody dropping them. <clears throat> right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And the, yeah. and the, the pieces that they have have, like you said, have been just, um, you know, there's fragments all over the place. And, uh-huh. and I think that the the thing that got uh, everybody really excited was the fact that there was a flood myth or a flood story yes. in the Epic of Gilgamesh. And that caused um, a bunch of folks that were um, sort of anti-Christian or anti-Jewish um, to say, see, you know, look at this. You know, you can no longer yeah. say that you're yeah. the only one who has that. Yeah. 
And then your story uh, isn't so great. Right. We found this one. <laughs> yeah. And then other people like for me, when, when I first heard that it wasn't, I didn't have any negative feelings like that. I thought that's just amazing. It kind of tells me that something must have really happened, you know. <laughs> that's it's like that's exactly it, it's like how more, I felt. More evidence. <laughs> I was like, like, wait, that really happened? <clears throat> yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. And then you hear that all around there, all these cultures have these big flood stories. And it's like, okay, there was a big event. There must have been, yeah. And I, I yeah. think that they had some seasonal floods too. In, so this is between the Tigris and the Euphrates rivers, right? Which is where Mesopotamia is. Mm-hmm. Um, and they do have that seasonal flooding, but there must have been something remarkable about uh, something that happened. Yeah, it, because this story, and we're kind of jumping ahead a little bit, but this story also has the idea of now you need to gather up samples of the animals. Mm. Um, you know, it's a similar tale. And, of course, the way what's, what makes the Christian tale unique is they take the story that everybody around them has already Mm-hmm. And they show that the interpretation is not correct. The interpretation mm-hmm. the other cultures are making is that the gods didn't like them, so they wanted to get rid of them. And um, they only brought them back, and this is in Gilgamesh, of course, because mm-hmm. they needed man to serve them. And, of course, that's not how the Christian story goes. Yeah, right. So, mm-hmm. um, which we discussed at more length when we talked about the movie Noah. Yeah, we did. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you can go back to that's that a good episode. Movie. Yeah, that's right. And, and I uh, loved it. And it it is, was a great movie. Yeah, very good movie. Um, but yeah, so um, fascinating stuff. And it, you know, it it harkens back to you know we've talked about Lewis and Tolkien and their discussions and um, Tolkien saying, yeah, this is the myth that's true. You mm-hmm. know, so just explaining to uh, C.S. Lewis how you know Lewis was like, well, isn't this just another myth? You know, and he said, well. This is the one that's true. Yeah, it's like everything has the the shades of truth. You know, the truth that we find in every, in all things. Um, there's pieces of it everywhere. You know, right. but it comes together. And, yeah, and I'm sure I've talked about this before. My favorite one is um, hearing about the missionaries who met the Papua New Guinea ma- natives who practiced cannibalism. Mm. And they're like, "You're right." But you're doing it wrong. <laughs> Let us explain to you about our God who gives himself to you to eat so that you become like him mm-hmm. in the Eucharist. Yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's genius. Yes. <laughs> didn't mean a few of them didn't get eaten <laughs> while they were trying to pass that along, but still. <laughs> well, that's a risk you just have to take. You know? Well, exactly. That's what the martyrs wow. come in for. But um, yep. anyway. <laughs> so. That's something. Well, cool. So, so, so yeah. tell us about Gilgamesh, so Gilgamesh. Just a brief yeah. rundown. So, Gilgamesh is, um, he's a young man. He's kind of awesome. And, you know, and he kind of knows two-thirds him. God. <laughs> yeah, two-thirds God. I like two-thirds. One, one, <laughs> how that happens, I don't want to sure. Two-thirds God and one-third mm-hmm. human. Um, but, yeah, he's he's like the guy who is... He's the quarterback, and he is a famous actor, and he plays the piano really good, <laughs> and he can beat anyone up that comes. You know, he's he's everything, right? And he is exhausting to people because of it, right? In this in this city, um, so they're like, okay, um, the gods are asked um, by the citizens of Uruk, right, to 
to get this guy a companion because we're exhausted. <laughs> but that's not what they asked. Isn't it? I thought they, that's no, what they did. No, but they're saying, it, well, at least in the translation I have, which is N.K. Sanders. N.K. Sanders. I, Let's see what I read we got. two different translations. But, yeah, that's what um, I have. I have N.K. Okay. Sanders. Mm-hmm. Um, but what they say is, is he, yeah, you're right. He's amusing himself everywhere. They said, no son is left with his father, for Gilgamesh takes them all, even the children. Yet the king should be a shepherd to his people. His lust leaves no virgin to her lover, neither the warrior's daughter, nor the wife of the noble. Yet this is the shepherd of the city, wise, comely, and resolute. And so what they're saying, basically what they're just saying is, make him into the shepherd he's supposed to be. Hmm. He is abusing yeah. us. Okay. Yeah, yeah. and that. the gods, mm-hmm. which is what I think is interesting, because you're right, what they do is they come up with, oh, we're going to make someone who's just like him, but wild, mm-hmm. um, which is Enkidu. Yeah. Right, yeah, so it says here, the but, gods heard their lament. The gods of heaven cried to the Lord of Aruk, to Anu, the god of Aruk. A goddess made him strong as a savage bull, none can withstand his arms, yeah, so... Um, that's right. And then that's what they do, right? So the goddess conceived an image in her mind and it was of the stuff of Anu, of the firmament. She dipped her hands in water and pinched off clay and she let it fall in the wilderness and noble Enkidu was created. Yeah. So, so right. So I guess, yeah. So you're saying they asked for something and this was the answer to their prayer, but it wasn't exactly what they asked. What I liked was they didn't say kill him. Or replace him. They just went, make him like he's supposed to be. He's not treating us right. And I thought, how many of us feel that way? Hmm. Like, I don't personally dislike you, although I'm coming to because of whatever actions on your part. But make him act like he's supposed to. He's ruling us. Make him act right. Mm -hmm. Well, what does it take to do that? And the gods take this real interesting choice of... I mean, you don't know it in the story yet because he's a wild man. He has to be tamed. He lives with the animals. They're unafraid of him. Yeah. And this is the rural versus civilized that you're talking about because he has to become civilized. Right. And he's everything that Gilgamesh is, but uncivilized, right? He's he's, Gilgamesh is equal. And and pure because of it. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So they. Um, then they, they want to domesticate him, right? And it's very interesting well, how they did that. Go ahead. Oh, no. I was like, well, he's got to be able to understand uh, Gilgamesh. Right, right. He can't if he's wild. Well, yeah. So what they do is they get the temple prostitute, which that was a thing back then because they felt that sex was the life force. And so these temples uh, had prostitutes because that's how you worshipped the life force. And, um, yeah, they said, okay, so for seven days, <laughs> keep it going on with this guy, mm-hmm. and you'll tame him. And sure enough, it works. That's what they did, Because <laughs> yeah. then uh, the animals just, were all afraid of him. Yeah, I just thought that was a fascinating solution. Yeah. You know, so so after that, he, he goes back out into the wilderness, and he doesn't fit there anymore. You know, it mm-hmm. said something about, you know, it's he's just not working. <laughs> it's not working anymore. Yeah. So he, he comes in, right? Comes into the city. Is that kind of like um, Adam and Eve? You think? So Adam and Eve have a different way of looking at that whole idea that you can't on men on their own aren't necessarily civilized. Uh-huh. Um, 
And so you need to have the feminine power there too, or the, the feminine well, uh, differences. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I just was thinking about it. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah. then he's the master of the animals, not their friend. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. And it's, Sorry, and it's interesting it. that it, I mean, to me, the epic almost says, you know, Hey, the city is kind of where it's at. <laughs> and, uh, this you know, you, you want to, yeah, you want to be in here. Right. This mm-hmm. is, this is, yeah. And the whole thing is kind of thinking about what it is to be human and mortal. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and while being pro urban. Right. So, yeah. So, so Enkidu does come back into the city or come into the city and, you know, they give him some clothes and stuff. They, they shave his body, I guess, you know, they <laughs> said, so there was some grooming at least some anointing with oil was even in mm-hmm. there. And then, um, then now he, he and Gilgamesh get in this little fight. But it's a, a very short-lived fight, and after that, they're the best friends ever. Well, and it's interesting because the reason he go- wants to go find Gilgamesh is he's like he hears how he's treating everyone. He's like, "That's not right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's he's not acting right. I'm going to go fix it." Yeah, very good. So it's not even just that he wanders in; he's doing what he's made to do. Essentially, his right. vocation, his role, is to fix things uh-huh. and by becoming best friends with Gilgamesh he does because then they're they're truly best buddies and they go <laughs> hunting together and kill monsters it's a real it's a real dream yeah. situation they like <laughs> now I'm picturing a a montage with soft music and and they're you know laughing and eating dinner and yeah, then there's a scene kind of, of cheerful, them, yeah, cheerful music, cheerful right. monster fighting music, and then yeah, <laughs> killing the demon leader of the forest, Humbaba, and then um, dealing with Ishtar. <laughs> yeah, so these Humbaba. guys are just out there having a good time. I mean, they're they're out there doing what you know Superman do. And, uh, well, it's how brothers have a great time together. Sure, sure. They go hunting. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And then they go to uh, Ishtar, who is um, the goddess of love or something. No, Ishtar says, that Gilgamesh? Mm-hmm. Wow. Marry me. <laughs> yes, she, like, she does like him, right? i just trying to figure out what like, her role is. Hold on. Let mm-hmm. me. Oh, she's a goddess. She's yes. a goddess and of she, something. He's like. He's like, wait, yeah. Love, beauty, this guy sex, you were war. married to? Do I have this right? <laughs> and, and then he died like this. And she's like, well, oh, yeah. <laughs> and this other guy, and this happened to him, and he died. Well, it was only fair. And then this guy, and so he basically lists off all these people she was married to, mm-hmm. and they all died. And he's like, pass. That's yeah. a hard no. And she's like, no one says no to Ishtar, <laughs> Daddy. She goes to the gods. Oh. And they're like, no, Gilgamesh yeah. is pretty cool. I don't know. <laughs> and they're like, oh, okay, for you, honey bunny, I'm going to let you have the bull of heaven go down there. Mm-hmm. Yep, to the kill bull him. of heaven. And, and guess uh, what? Yes, guess what? <laughs> Enkidu and Gilgamesh go ahead and uh, they take care of the bull of heaven. They they kill that and, thing. Oh, Yeah. And uh, when Ishtar gets upset, Enkidu just tears one of its legs off and throws it at her. (laughs) This is why this is an epic story, people. These things are happening. This is a thigh, and I'm throwing it at you. Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, these are the things that they do. Right. And I think that's actually even extra insulting, because I think the thigh was the really good piece that you'd burn Uh, to the gods. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Right. And then she's 
really annoyed. Now, yeah, major annoyance, right? And Daddy. Uh, now maybe they've exhausted the gods. <laughs> yeah, the gods are like the bull of heaven, really? Yeah, yeah. <sighs> One of these guys has got to go. <laughs> I can't run down to 7 Eleven and get a bull of heaven. No, it was amazing. Yeah. That's why yeah. it was the bull of heaven. That's right. So, so, so yeah, so the next thing that happens is Enkidu dies. Um, punishment from the gods, you mm-hmm. know, some kind of a disease that's uh, painful. You know, he was on his deathbed for a while, you know, several days by that. I mean, yeah. and then after that, you know, I don't know if Gilgamesh was wanting to make sure he was really dead, but it was like seven days after that. And um, he finally, you know, admitted it, I guess, or, or accepted it. Was so it. sad. Very, very sad. Very sad. They Gilgamesh. were really best friends. They were. He, how was he going to go on? He'd never yeah. experienced that. Although I do have to say every translation I've ever read has finally when the maggots were dropping out of his nose, he's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, oh. Yeah. I think, I don't think he's coming back, sir. <laughs> it's like, all right, I'm taking that as a sign. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Right, right. So yeah, <clears throat> so then um now Gilgamesh is confronted with mortality. He is so great and he realizes, okay, if death can take Enkidu, death can take me, and that's where I'm headed, and I don't accept that. He's suddenly now obsessed with the idea of immortality. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so he, uh, let's see, he's, is that now he's seeking Unapishtim who he understands actually, um, knows the secret, you know, who actually is an immortal and right. now is seeking that person, Utnapishtim. Yeah. And so it, he's off in the wilderness mm-hmm. meeting my favorite monsters who are semi-friendly Mm-hmm. The scorpions who guard the mountain pass, yeah. <laughs> the man scorpion and his wife. <laughs> right. Like, Asking I love questions. Those two. Yeah, that's for sure. <clears throat> you know, have you seen uh, Utnapishtim? And he's like, yeah, he's over there. So uh, so he finds Utnapishtim, who turns out is a survivor of the great flood. And yeah. yep, and then he tells him the flood story. You know, in in response to Gilgamesh wanting, you know, this information. And uh, then, you know, Gilgamesh tries a few things to try to get immortality, including like staying awake for a long time. (laughs) Never working. And no, he, yeah, he's he's not, it's not happening. Because really, what Utnapishtim's story is, is after the flood, the god just made him immortal. Right. right. So there was no secret. There, there was no, if you do this, then that. Right. Um, there just wasn't. And uh, Gilgamesh had to accept that. Uh, although yeah, it was kind of like, oh, you made it through. Mm-hmm. Ta-da. Yeah. We'll exactly. let you be one of us. It was, it was like a gift, right? Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So then Gilgamesh uh, has to accept that. And then there's this one final scene where... Um, I, I think it was Utnapishtim who, on, on the on Gilgamesh's way out the door, says, "Oh, and by the way, there's a cool plant at the bottom of the water, and if you get that, then it will—it's like a fountain of youth plant or something. And if you, yeah. you do it, you'll kind of roll back." And he attaches rocks to himself and everything, so he can sink all the way to the bottom. 
he retrieves this thing. He gets all the way back up into the boat and says, all right, I'm going to bring this back to Uruk and it's going to be awesome. And then a serpent from the ocean or the sea, wherever he is, jumps out and grabs it from him and goes back into the sea. And waits till he's taken a bath and <laughs> pops out of there. Uh-huh. Done. <clears throat> right. And yep. then Gilgamesh is kind of upset. He just weeps. And it's like, I can't even bring that back to them, you know, uh, yeah. to Aruk. <clears throat> and That's then he it. returns to Aruk and seems to spend the rest of his life doing the stuff, you know, doing the stuff that um, that I think that the, the original prayers must have been answered. I hadn't thought of it that way since you said that, but that is exactly correct, isn't it? It's mm-hmm. he, when he got there, too, he was... He asked a servant or something to go look at the bricks, and he was the like... The ferryman who took him yeah, back. Yeah, the ferryman, right. And he says, look at those bricks. And he said, those those were done by the wise people, you know, and, and I am here, and this is me, kind of. You know, it's like, this is where I belong. I belong here with people. Mm-hmm. And, He's praising the city and mm-hmm. how wonderful it is and how how it's made and everything. And right. Yeah, it's, it basically, he now values it, and it's... Um, it's almost like the satisfying ending to every story afterwards, or a lot of them anyway. It's like, oh, I've been away. I've had all my adventures. Oh, now I'm home. <laughs> yeah. And I can recognize what it is. Right. You know, it's better than I thought. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, you think about the Odyssey, which we read. Mm-hmm. You know, he was trying to get home. You know, he, he knew he wanted home, though. Uh, right. But, yeah, the difference here is that so this person, Gilgamesh, turned away from all of his responsibilities seeking all this stuff that he thinks is the most important thing. And then he realizes that, no, that's not the more, most important thing. People are the most important thing. Right. Um, these people in the city and me with them, that's the thing. And uh, realizes that and lives the rest of his days that way. Yeah, and I guess that's why he got sent a companion early on to make him learn how to value somebody else besides himself. Mm. And that's because we don't ever see, and of course, this isn't like what you call a dim death story. I mean, you <laughs> right, know, it's right. it's the story, but um, <clears throat> they they aren't ever saying, you know, Gilgamesh and his wife, Gilgamesh and his best friend, Gilgamesh. No, until he meets Enkidu, he is just treating the people like they're a commodity. Yeah, right. Now he understands the suffering, the pain, um, the value of friendship and of loving other people. And community because mm-hmm. he's been through all this stuff. Right, right, and that's that's really interesting. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's a really interesting solution to the to the thing. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Just this is what first they may have to make Enkidu human, so yeah. he recognizes Gilgamesh is not doing the right thing, and then through their friendship, it changes Gilgamesh. Right, and like you said, he realized mm-hmm. that there is something outside of himself that's mm-hmm. important. And then they take it away from him. Well. Yep. And then know. he, yeah. And then he, he realizes. Go around killing bulls of heaven without <laughs> some kind of result. Even if you throw, were set upon. Right. You can't throw bull's legs around at goddesses and not expect anything <laughs> to happen. Well, and also I feel like, and again, this is for such a simple story. It's easy to lose track of the details, but I feel like after the, Bull of Heaven was killed. They said, "Well, someone's got to pay," mm. and yeah. um, they picked Enkidu. Yeah, he that said one of the a- two of us has to die, or something like that. 
Is he had it, a dream. Okay, he had a dream, I believe, and in the dream, okay, that's there was it. these gods that were there, and they said, one of you two mm-hmm. has to die. And in fact, even one of the uh, gods is like, really? You're the ones who sent down the bull of heaven. They didn't really have a choice. And so, and Kidu's innocent. And, you know, another god throws a hissy fit, probably mm-hmm. Ishtar. And, uh, okay, fine. <laughs> well, we can't kill yes. Gilgamesh. We have to leave him. We'll take Enkidu. Right, right. So that's the story. Everybody. Yeah, that is the story. And it's the oldest story we know. Um, yeah, and when mm-hmm. I first heard it, just as a side note, in case you didn't love our telling of it, which was <laughs> inspired is a strong word, so we won't use that. <laughs> but it was certainly like a great comedy routine, I think. Um, but mm. re- I first heard this when my daughter Rose came back from college, and she'd had to read it. And we were sitting in the backyard around Thanksgiving time drinking coffee in the afternoon or something and she told it to me oh nice and so mm. for my podcast forgotten classics where all the files are still there we'll have to put a link to it i had her retell the story and um i know somebody said it was like sitting around the campfire listening to somebody tell an old tale that was kind of just modernized in the way they told it yeah so that's on there uh if anybody wants to read yes it absolutely listen to i it. will definitely put that link in there okay um yeah very good. Yep. But I'd forgotten that that was there. So that's that's yeah, fantastic. Yeah, I just uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that's so. Yeah. Um and then but, what about what about the the famous retelling by uh Captain Jean-Luc Picard? Picard on the wall. <laughs> the wall falls. That's right. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, that's uh they talk about a surprising coincidence. Um our family is very slowly working its way through the next generation, which Rose has never seen. And I watched once so long ago that I don't remember a lot of the episodes. But funnily enough, when I was talking about the Epic of Gilgamesh, my priest went, oh, my gosh, there's that great Star Trek episode about it. And I went, what? And it came up just this week in our rotation when we're just working our way along. It's called Darmok, as you said. <laughs> and, um yeah. Picard and everybody meet this race of people who think so much in metaphor and allegory and story. They're so steeped in it that to communicate things, they don't talk the way we do. They just use snippets of their epic tales to communicate concepts to each other. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the example <clears throat> they use when they're, when they, once they figured it out on the show, they, mm-hmm. um, they say, well, it's like if we were talking about a couple in love and we said Juliet on the balcony. Hmm. Yeah. And you go, oh, here's the whole story. I see the bit of it that applies to my situation. Yeah, that's you know, a the neat, feuding neat family. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And I love this idea of um, society sharing stories. You know, and I think that that um, might be one of the, the tougher things about, you know, again, the United States, this experiment that we have where – you know, in our culture, everybody's coming from somewhere else, right? Everybody is from mm-hmm. somewhere else in the United mm-hmm. States. And we all bring our own cultures and everything and trying to, to mash them together. Well, you know, when you go to things like Ireland, you know, uh, where th- there's there's a, a very much an Irish identity, you know. I, I, think, that that's, oh, yeah. I think that that's a very interesting thing um, to, you know, have this shared cultural story. And I think... I'd have to say that in 2021, in the United States at least, our shared cultural story has to be movies. Um, 
it, I think you're right. I, you know, so it would be like the the Marvel epic. You know, almost everybody has seen that or um, mm-hmm. some type of. I think movies are the collective thing that we all share. Some books also, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, in current popular parlance probably movies right now and it used to be more tv shows before that all got fragmented Mm, you know everybody get together the next morning and talk about seinfeld or whatever you saw that's that's so true and i think right now we just have so many of them i mean there's Mm -hmm. everybody could be following something different but star trek you know among my people (laughs) meaning (laughs) the people that i hang out with i think star trek is a large piece of that too Mm -hmm. there's a common thing you know but, you know, I, I just love that. Juliet on the balcony. I mean, that's really cool. You know, so, yeah. you know, it's like, you know, what's the saddest scene ever? You know, well, when Spock died in, in Star Trek Two, of course. You know, oh. you know, so, I mean, I'm just saying that, that that's just an example. Um, you know, you, you talk no, about that and yeah. everybody kind of knows what you mean. Right. That's good. And we would talk more about it, but we think we might do an episode on that someday. So yeah, we're going to pass yeah. on For sure. uh, back mm-hmm. to the book. But yes, that's that's mm-hmm. amazing. Well, yeah, I so, think so at we, this time, I would assume back in 2200 BC or whatever, this, this was the story. You know, yeah. I, I'm assuming that it might not have been the only one. Um, but clearly it was the most popular one being re- recopied so many times mm-hmm. throughout time. But... Uh, and, 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 you know, just to pause a moment and think about words and how they go through time like this. I mean, this is 4,000 years ago. Um, I, I just think it's, it's remarkable, you know. 4,000 mm-hmm. years ago, somebody was just pressing this thing, stylus or whatever, on the, the clay tablet. Either I, 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 in my head, picture somebody telling him what to write, you know, him or her. You know, mm. this yeah. is the story. You know, this is a person that knows how to write. This is the person that knows the story, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's just, you know, 4,000 years ago that was going on. It just, just amazing. Yeah. And somebody wanted those tablets. Yep. The person didn't just do it because they felt like it was, you know, a great thing to do. Somebody yeah. wanted that to send somewhere to put in the big library or in the yeah, vault or whatever. Right. And yeah. And how it inspired everyone. And, and a lot of these things, it's, Think about the power of stories and how they still motivate us and we still understand it. It's We've talked about this many times before. Story is one of the things that is unique about people. Yes. And, imagina- and the way our imaginations use it to give us a truth that goes beyond facts. Absolutely. And so, Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's the thing. I mean, my goodness, talk about devices. There's a spot. Right after Gilgamesh gets past the man scorpions and out of the dark tunnel and the, the garden of the gods and all this stuff, there's a woman with a tavern. Hmm. And he wants to talk to her. And she's like, oh, no, I don't like the looks of you. No, thank <laughs> you. And she's trying to slam the door. He puts his foot in the door to stop her. <laughs> How many sitcoms have I seen that on? <laughs> or detective stories mm, yes. or whatever. And he's like, no, hold on a second. I just need to ask you this one uh-huh. question. I'm like, that is so still a modern device. Yes, absolutely. He did it in that mm-hmm. poem. Amazing. Yeah. You know, and she's saying, and, and then when he's talking to her, she's like, oh, pal. You know, and this is like every barmaid, smart barmaid with a heart of gold in the world. You can't beat death, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Eat, yeah. drink, be merry. 
have a woman, have your children be happy. That's it. We're done. And I'm like, well, there's the book of Ecclesiastes right there. (laughs) And here's our modern times with how many people who have uh, no hope of God, they think, because they're nihilistic or whatever. Mm -hmm. Well, this is it. Yeah. Live it up. There you go. Yeah. And it's interesting that, you know, Gilgamesh came to the conclusion that that wasn't so. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And um, just, just the fact that they're thinking about this, you said, you know, well, story is something that we have that, you know, animals don't have. Um, Mm -hmm. here, you know, I feel like this may be saying too, that, you know, just the fact that 4,000 years ago, I mean, they're thinking about this stuff. What is a human? You know, Enkidu, Mm -hmm. Enkidu isn't human until he becomes civilized or what exactly is, are they saying? But they do seem to be saying, um, that we may be the only animals (laughs) that know about mortality, you know, that they're actually facing that. And this is kind of what the the epic is all about. You know, they're, they're, it's asking questions. You know, what is it to be a human? And yeah. that's one of the things. And one of the things is that we know the end is coming, and we live life knowing that that's coming. You know, does does a, a bear out in the woods know that? No, I don't think so. Um, you know, and it, it is a difference. And and it, and this right. this whole urban versus rural thing is is an interesting thing too. You know, is were they were they saying bad things about the the people that lived out in the wilderness? Because I, I know of there was course. a bunch of them, right? So they're saying, this is how it is. This is how people should be. And you guys aren't doing it right. You know, so there is that aspect too. Right, because Gilgamesh's immortality comes in his city and then mm-hmm. the story written about him. And he actually is immortal in that way because here we are 4,000 years later <laughs> talking about his epic. Yes, that's right. That's I right. mean, it's... It's not the kind of immortality a Christian mm-hmm. knows, which right. is much deeper and richer. Yeah, it's probably real. worth saying too that um, Gilgamesh was a real person. Um, oh yes, yeah, definitely just, say just, that. Just yeah, so he he definitely was, and um, I'm not sure what the dates are, but it, again, it was. So here he was on, Wiki, on Wikipedia, it does say he he became a major figure in Sumerian legend during the third dynasty of Ur, which is like 2100 BC. But he was before that. He, he actually ruled, it says, the early dynastic period, which is 2900 to 2350 BC, somewhere in there. Okay. Yeah. So that's a long time ago. But, um, yeah. but yeah. So he, you know, so we're, we're reading something that was written about him as a piece of historical fiction, I guess. Uh, but it is mm-hmm. a myth, right? Yeah. It's right. myth because they're saying he's a god. He's, he's two-thirds god. Two-thirds. Yeah. So close. Well, and I think it's, you know, the same things that we've talked about before in terms of um, <laughs> humans don't, the human nature doesn't change. We, as you're saying, we still mm-hmm. wonder about this. And I know you said it used to depress you, but yeah. we haven't gotten further. But it's, <laughs> I find it reassuring. Yes. <laughs> Yes. You know, to me, that makes it more likely that this really happened. And we still could relate to these people on some level if, like Picard on Darmok, we could get past that whole language Mm. communication thing. Absolutely. Um, And that's what they're struggling to do, too, right? Because you've got the wild man, the civilized man. How do you bridge that gap? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Right. And then this whole idea of permanence. Yeah. so Utnapishtim, I have a little piece here to read. Utnapishtim, 
says to uh, Gilgamesh before he relates the flood story. Oh, yes. Yeah, so he's, he's the Noah guy. Right. Yeah. And he is the Noah guy. But so he is the one that, that survived the flood and is now immortal. He yeah. tells um, Gilgamesh that there is no permanence. Do we build a house to stand forever? Do we seal a contract to, be, to hold for all time? Do brothers divide an inheritance to keep forever? Does the flood time of rivers endure? It is only the nymph of the dragonfly who sheds her larva and sees the sun in his glory. From the days of old, there is no permanence. The sleeping and the dead, how alike they are. They are like a painted death. What is there between the master and the servant when both have fulfilled their doom? When the Anuki, the judges, come together, and the Mamutan, the mother of destinies, together they decree the fates of men. Life and death they allot, but the day of death they do not disclose. So, um, yeah, but it's it's an interesting thing there. You know, there is no permanence. There Which is, is the same thing that, is permanent. that Siduri is saying, the mm-hmm. tavern lady who's right. like, so right. nobody. Yeah. We're all, there's only one way out and we're all dying. Yeah, so I guess that they're they're giving him the same answer but with different conclusions. You know, the conclusion of the barmaid is to eat, drink, and be merry. Live a good life. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so a good life to her is pleasure. Mm-hmm. Right. But I don't think that that's what Unapishtim is saying. Unapishtim is saying, yeah, there is nothing permanent, but yeah, do good things. And right. Again, it's interesting to think about the fact that, so that's 4,000 years ago. These are the times when the stories for Genesis were being told and mm-hmm. um, their conclusions are completely different. Yeah, yeah. Because they have God in their vision. Right. And they're just like, he's not going to abandon us. And they don't necessarily at that point have the the developed uh, revelation of God that we do where, mm-hmm. you know, like, oh, but because Jesus had to die and be resurrected for that to be complete. Yeah. Which yeah. we're recording this on Good Friday, so it's mm-hmm. timely. You know, yeah, he, it sure is. Jesus killed death. Mm-hmm. And throughout the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, as we say, um, there are a few hints toward the end of it that people are thinking past that point of, no, you live a good life and you die in God's favor, unless he takes you straight up with him. There are a couple people that happens to Enoch and, um, gosh, Elijah, Mm -hmm. then you're done. And later there get to be hints of that, but they still have a whole different philosophy of looking at life and how it works, which is part of the point of the book of Ecclesiastes. Right. Puzzling through mm-hmm. all that. Yeah. What which is, is, one what of the is things, a good life? What, what is yeah. it composed of? Right. And what yeah. does it mean? Mm-hmm. We die like the grass. So yeah. it was, there something later, but right. then you have the book of Job, <laughs> which is also uh, very philosophical and it's God saying, you can't understand the big picture. You, I've given you what you can understand. You just have to trust me on this. Yeah. Not for everlasting and, and life, but why did bad things happen? Right. And, and, and we, we've said before, you know, Job was the oldest book, right? Um, right after Genesis, I think. Yeah. So right around 15, yeah. 1500 BC. Yeah. Um, amazing. And, and, and I'm reminded how different the concepts of God are 
among the uh, the Jews of the time and mm-hmm. and the Gilgamesh and then the Greeks after them, and yeah. um, you know the, their their gods are very much of this world. <laughs> they're they're in it, right? They're in it. They're not outside it, right? Which is what we believe God is, right? God God is present outside of time, outside of you know He's in eternity. You know He's He's right. He's if He created it, He can't be exist. Existing solely in it is how I want to say that, right? He's like careful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he is. A, he is in the world, but he is not solely in the world, right? So, right. Um, and in order to have created it, he had to have been outside it. And think about the difference between the gods that we see in Gilgamesh, where it's very much like a precursor to the Greek gods, where they are like uh, superhumans in a way, but mm-hmm. they still have all the human emotions. You understand Ishtar's having a fit because the man she likes won't be attracted to right, her right. and seeking revenge. Um, the, the bit I like especially is the reason for the flood is the humans are so noisy, the gods can't get any sleep. Very annoying. So let's get rid of them. Well, this guy seems okay. You know, they're Noah character. And also, guess what? Mm. Not even him, really. We're hungry and there's no one to burn incense. So we have nothing to eat. We better not right. kill everybody. So it's all extremely selfish. Absolutely. Extremely something yeah. humans understand. Whereas, again, here we are on Good Friday. So I can't help but think of it. Our God came into this world as one of us. And instead of asking us to die for him or be sacrificed for him, he died for us. Yeah. yeah. And he died for us to bring us into his reality. Right. He, it's that death and resurrection of that's how he killed death. This is what's happening next. Hmm. I mean, it's really astoundingly different. And when people will talk about it and... I used to think, oh, yeah, that makes sense. You know, it's like, oh, well, these stories are all, you know, there's this kind of a God who dies and, and comes back again. There's this and this and this. Well, no, those are those fragments of truth you were saying Tolkien told Lewis about. This is the whole picture. Mm, you yeah. know, this, this is somebody that's so different. People are still thinking up reasons this didn't happen. <laughs> yes. Right. Right. Beautiful. Well, very well put. Thank you. Um, but yes, yeah. Um, and I also uh, called up this passage from Isaiah, which hmm. feeds into what you were saying at the first part of what you were saying. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your <laughs> ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Right. I mean, that, that's a definite yes. separation from Zeus, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, what's the God here? On? An something like that. There's so many. Yeah, yes. I don't. I don't know who the head god is in Mesopotamian mythology, but but uh, but that's what they're saying. You know, you don't understand how God thinks. You know, we do not, and that's a that's what we believe. You know, to this day, right? Right. Well, that's the mystery. uh, Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and Jesus, he came down as Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. And now we can relate to Jesus. We we understand that person. We understand that person, even though that person is fully God and that person is fully human. Jesus is somebody who hit his thumb with a hammer, probably, right? You know, so we (laughs) can understand (laughs) Jesus. We know, we know he was hungry. We know all, all of the things, right? And God came down as part of that is for us to relate. 
Yeah, because in that sense, that's the whole story of Enkidu and Gilgamesh, right? Mm -hmm. Gilgamesh doesn't understand how to be a full person until he sees himself reflected in his friendship. Now, of course, I'm reading in at this point. (laughs) They're not saying that, but that's what we get from the story. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, and Jesus did the same thing. It's Mm -hmm. um, the whole idea that God is so far away, and it is a mystery still, he is, Mm -hmm. but Jesus came to bring him closer. Right. And to do the things for us that we couldn't do for ourselves mm. as a full sacrifice. Yes. And because he loves us. I mean, that's mm. that's the miracle of it is that God is always reaching out for us. He's always he's like, come on, here I am. Mm. We're the ones who have the free will to say yes or no right. or to listen or not listen. That's yes, how indeed. much he mm-hmm. did. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's uh, pretty... Amazing. It is pretty amazing. And, you know, and looking at these old stories, you know, like we have been, it, it's, it's really interesting to me to see the glimmers of truth in it mm-hmm. um, because they do exist. Right. Um, yeah. And this is all, you know, people, humans seem to understand inherently that there is some type of a transcendent thing going on and it is outside them and they attempt to understand it. And that's what that's what everybody is doing, right? And that's what right. C.S. Lewis talked to Tolkien about. He says, yeah, or I'm sorry, Tolkien talked to Lewis about. Um, yes, all those things do exist. All those things are, as you say, but there is one that's true. Mm-hmm. And if you look at it, it's the light by which we see everything else. Yeah, because so. that's not to say that this book is, you know, we're like, oh, well, these are the things that are really true. But this is still an amazing story. Sure it, it still is, has. Yeah. Yeah. Things to tell us about ourselves, as well as being this look into history. Yeah. I mean, it's the, even if you look at it and you go, well, okay, there's probably no man scorpion. I get it. <laughs> but these people loved this story. Yeah, they It did. excited their yeah. imagination. I love this story. Mm. This is, you know, we're still the same people. And yeah. I like that. I like thinking about getting excited when the storyteller's coming up to this bit of the story just like somebody would have back then. Yeah, right. Yep, agreed. Yep, just just really great. Yeah, because you were talking about Lewis and Tolkien, and they loved the the Nordic myths and, you know, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Just because you are a Christian or whatever doesn't mean you can't appreciate all this other stuff, too. <laughs> For sure. And I think you should, <laughs> right? Yeah, because it's all Obviously, one. It's all do. one thing, right? You know, that's right. what we say. You know, we talk about the one thing, but that's really what it is. Uh, you know, it's all one thing. In fact, I want to say it's one thing so much that uh, this just cracked me up. Mm-hmm. That when Ishtar is wants the bull of heaven to destroy Gilgamesh, because she says, "If you don't, I am gonna." Break the doors of hell and smash the bolts. There will be confusion of people, those above with those from the lower depths. I will bring up the dead to eat food like the living, and the hosts of the dead will outnumber the living. I feel like she's talking about zombies. <laughs> she doesn't really say they'll that's, eat the living, but uh-huh. I just feel like that's where we're headed. I feel like that that is right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, of course they had to send the bull of heaven down. You can't have that. How amazing. <laughs> How amazing is that? Yeah. Zombie hordes attacking That is people. <laughs> great. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Right. Uh, she will unleash the hordes. 
That's right. Because she is upset. <laughs> Again, let that be uh, the lesson. I think probably the biggest lesson in here is that you should not throw the thigh of a bull at anybody. It's and not, the entrails. Right. Yeah. It's not a good idea. No. No. Yeah. They don't like it. That's right. <laughs> they don't like it at all. No. <laughs> Oh, goodness. That's fantastic. Wow. Well, thank you for reading this with me. Um, I'm happy to do it. It was a good translation. Yeah. I read this one, and I also read Gerald J. Davis's translation, which I had for, it was like two or three bucks on Uh uh, the Kindle. Okay. And he, it's a a fairly new translation where he went and took like a very old um, English translation of it and then updated it. Oh, okay. And checked it against some other stuff. He talks about what he did in the introduction, but I liked looking at the two of them because there were parts I liked of each one. Very good. You know, uh-huh. where I'd say, this is kind of confusing. Oh, this guy says it like this. So yeah, it was kind yeah. of interesting to see the two ways of telling the story. And you get the same story either way. It's just one is resonates in one part for me yeah. and, and one that's, in another part. So that's yeah. really nice. Yeah. And I'm going to, uh, I'm definitely going to check that out. Uh, I think I'm at the point, um, in uh, Gilgam- with Gilgamesh and with Beowulf, that I'd like to start looking at other translations, and because um, <laughs> oh, Beowulf, you know Beowulf has become uh, like an annual read. <laughs> I keep oh. reading. I keep reading the Seamus Haney one, um, mm-hmm. but uh, I think it's time to grab a different one and see what the differences are and, and what they're seeing. I'm trying to remember that Gerald J. Davis. You may have a Beowulf also. Cool. You may or may not like his translations, but he's got those two and, gosh, I can't remember, three or four others maybe. Mm-hmm. And um, just of classic books like that where he went back and said, well, here's the first English translation or a, a venerable one that everybody respects. I'm going to update it and fix it up. And huh. um, I usually like them pretty well. They're a good introduction to a lot of books. I oh, think. very good. Okay. Not tons of them out there, yeah. but they're all on the Kindle pretty cheap. So That's great. Okay. Yeah. I will take a look. Yeah, and the, and the yeah. translation that, that I read is the same one that you mentioned, N.K. Sanders, and it is a, a Penguin classic. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the one I have. Yeah, that's you yeah. told me, so I said, mm-hmm. okay, let me look at this other one. Very good. Yep. Cool. All right. So what is next for us? Oh, what is next? Next uh, is Airlift. I, I don't know about you, but it's been an awfully long time since we've watched an Indian movie. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah, <clears throat> that's going to be great. Airlift. Oh, yeah. And this is uh, based on a real story. And it is, um, so it's going to be different than the other Indian movies we've watched. Mm-hmm. So, uh, oh, but it's one that. that I've watched for about four times and really love for some reason. Oh, so that's great. I, I hope everybody likes it. That's yeah. very good. Okay, yeah. looking forward to that. And I think it's worth mentioning that after Airlift, we're going to be reading a, uh, oh, yes. a big book, right? A big one. Mm-hmm. Um, Gone with the Wind by Margaret Mitchell. Um, I have never read it. and Ooh. I Yeah, so I'm looking forward to it. It is one of those things that I think it will be great to have read. So I'm um, looking forward to it very much. Yeah, so um, it's a thousand pages. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if you want to start now, that's yeah. all right. And I actually began to read it thinking, well, I'll just read that first half because we're going to read the first half and then two weeks later we'll discuss the second half. And um, 
I got sucked into that book so unexpectedly that I read the first half in about a week. Wow. I mean, I couldn't oh, put it down. Great. That's good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then I had to make myself stop, mm. even though it's about my fourth time reading it. So um, <laughs> I kind of know what's going to happen. All right. But anyway. Wonderful. Yeah. Okay. Very much looking forward. So yeah. I'm glad you That'll mentioned it. May, I'm, the, I'm May the 4th, 2021 is when we'll be talking about okay. Gone Within. Because, you know, 4,000 years from now, somebody may be hearing this. And they'll want to know what year we're doing it. Oh, that's that's very thoughtful <laughs> we'll of you for the archivist, Scott. Yeah, so for them, Gilgamesh is eight thousand years old, which is just even more incredible than oh, man. than before. So, so Gilgamesh, Gone with the Wind, mm-hmm. and Airlift. This is how they're going to judge our culture. <laughs> we apologize now to all the people in the future. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is so right. My oh, goodness. too fun. <laughs> oh, oh, I love well. it. All right. Uh, well, thanks for listening, everyone. Yes, thank you so much. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> we'll talk to you soon. <laughs> Bye. Bye.